Hello, 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 drama listeners. It's Connor coming at you at the top of this episode because I wanted to share a little bit about our Patreon, Drama Plus, which is our bonus content platform where when you donate $5 a month, and yes, donate, giving season vibes. <laughs> when you donate $5 a month, you get access to extra episodes every month and you get added to our Instagram close friends where we're giving you all the drama. You know, like I said, it's the giving season. Our guest today encourages you to give back. There are many great causes out there. One of them is this podcast, of course. So $5 a month, patreon.com slash the drama podcast to join the drama plus family. Thank you for supporting us. Hope everyone is doing well and staying healthy and happy this time of year. And I hope you enjoyed this amazing episode. God, I can't even believe I'm about to say this with Danny Burstein. All right, on to the show. Press play, curtain of an hour in, it's time to taste in, the shade and tea to spill, ooh, drama. drama, oh, that's a tweet, did they book, who got an they option, no, oh, I'm not well, what, what star will we talk to today? today, oh, that's a gag, honey, say no more, drama, drama, drama. welcome to drama, a podcast that covers theater. Pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell, and I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, you're you're post surgery. How are you? How are you hanging in there? I know I had foot surgery finally. I, I know. You know, I famously had foot surgery in February of 2020, because I split a plate in my foot. And random. And I remember it was like the last week of February, and you know I had a office job. We went in Monday to Friday, but they let me work from home for a week. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. I kind of like this. Like, you know, being at home, I got my computer, I can, you know, I don't have to pick out an outfit, don't have to plan a lunch. Two weeks later, of course, we were all sent home because of COVID. But the surgery was botched in a way. So I spent the last couple of years navigating, you know, lots of different health issues related to my foot, but they fixed me allegedly. So I'm I'm feeling great. I've got painkillers. I've Wait, got... I need you to say, because I heard you told me what the first thing you said was when you <gasps> got out of the twilight of the anesthesia. Uh, anesthesia. Well, it's hilarious because I, I have no memory of this, but they said that I woke up and I was like, did it work? And they were like, yeah, you're good. And then I said, can you give me Ozempic? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Why did I say that? Well, I mean, it's, you know, a dream you've often had in this current climate, but you know. Oh my God. It was like... It's so strange to be told something that happened to me. And then like, I kept re-meeting the nurses and stuff. It's but funny. It's nice to just have nothing to focus on except recovery. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about running errands, do- doing anything, going to the gym, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been, of course, catching up on all my TV shows and such. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share some of that later, but. It's also been... given you plenty of time to prepare for today's podcast. Oh, and to prep, I had to do, because this is a big one. I'm so excited. You know, I usually mean, we save the big guns like this for like an anniversary pod, like a, like a 200th episode with Kelly O'Hara or a, a four years of drama with Beth Level. But this feels like a year ago when we had Aaron Tveit on and it was just yeah. a, a very big episode dropped randomly in December. This to uh-huh. me is the Aaron Tveit slot this year because first of all, they've worked <laughs> together, but also right, it's a big, it's a biggie. I know. You're so right. I love the idea of just surprising our listeners with a heavy hitter like this. But Dylan, can you read the bio and bring him in? Because I just can't wait to get into this convo. Our guest today is a Broadway legend. He won a Tony Award for his performance as Harold Ziedler in Moulin Rouge. 
which also earned him a Drama League Award, a Grammy nomination, and an Outer Critics Circle Award. He's earned six additional nominations throughout his career, that is, Tony nominations, for his roles in Fiddler on the Roof, Cabaret, Golden Boy, Follies, South Pacific, and The Drowsy Chaperone. He also appeared on Broadway in Pictures from Home, My Fair Lady, The Snow Geese, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, A Class Act, Titanic, Company, The Flowering Peach, Three Men on a Horse, St. Joan, The Seagull, and A Little Hotel on the Side. He's performed at the Metropolitan Opera, New York City Center Encores, Shakespeare in the Park, and in many more prestigious productions and venues. For his immense talent, our guest was awarded the the incredible Drama League's Distinguished Achievement in Musical Theater Award in 2020. You'll recognize our guest from Julia, The Good Fight, Evil, The Tick, Tick, Boom movie, six different appearances as different characters on Law & Order, Central Park, Elementary, Louie, Ab Fab, aka Absolutely Fabulous, Boardwalk Empire, Madam Secretary, The Blacklist, and so many more films, television shows, and voiceover work, especially in video games. He is a tireless advocate, a gift to the Broadway community, and a beloved icon to all. Please welcome to drama, Danny, Danny Burstein. Burstein. Wow. Like my obituary, my God. <laughs> no, listen, by the time we get there, it's gonna there's gonna be even double the size <laughs> know, of this. Gonna be no time to talk. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be everyone reading all of your credits. I mean, my God, you're you, Danny. It is so nice to meet you. I've really enjoyed already chatting with you today. Yes, it's great to meet you both as well. Yeah, we always like to ask our guests how you're doing at the start of a chat. Are you well? I'm well. I also recently had foot surgery, so I just thought I was as you were saying that I was going. Hey, wait! Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, are you are you all right in recovery? I, I am fine. I am. Fine. Here's the thing. I was doing a show called The Class Act on Broadway 22 years ago. And I was playing with the Broadway Show League. And I went out for a fly ball. And I thought I just twisted my ankle. And it, it was just, this is really this is really bad. I warn you ahead of time. And wow. I thought I just twisted my ankle. And I looked down to see, you know, I was hoping I wouldn't, you know, miss the show that night. I looked down to see my foot and it wasn't there. It, it had spun around and was facing backwards. And people, and this is absolutely true. On my team playing with me was Macaulay Culkin. And the first <laughs> the first person who ran up to me and he did that, like that classic face from Home Alone, he came running up and he went, ah! Oh! <laughs> true story. Anyway, they rushed me to the hospital. I had pins put in. I, I they had to, it took three times for them to, you know, put my foot back into place. It was so awful. When they did snap it into place, I don't generally uh, cry or scream or anything. I generally start to laugh when I have pain. I'm one of those people. And when they finally snapped it back into place, I started screaming. I started screaming and singing, Hello, Dolly. And then they rushed me to surgery. Anyway, Long story short, for 22 years, I've been dancing and and jumping around on this foot that had pins. And after all that time, it just developed so much scar tissue that about two and a half, three months ago, I just said, I can't do this anymore. Just clean it out. And they went yeah. in there and found all this junk in there and basically roto-rooted it out. Well, I'm really glad that you got all that figured out. I mean, I remember seeing you dancing specifically in My Fair Lady. I mean, my God. Mm -hmm. And the, the flailing around the Vivian Beaumont that you've done over your career has been, I mean, oh, I'm yeah. sure even in South Pacific. So that is a lot of wear and tear on that foot. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, I mean, if, if you're my age and you're doing theater, you've had 
you know, several surgeries already to fix your knee or your hip or your, I mean, we all sort of, you know, you get to a certain age in the theater and you have something. What so. was Macaulay Culkin doing at the Broadway softball league that day? I can't remember what Broadway show he was doing, but he was involved. In okay. Yeah. And a class act. <laughs> that was the Lonnie Price. Yeah. The one that he directed, wrote and starred in. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you don't see that too often. No, you don't. I mean, and understandably, it takes its wear and tear on a person, mm-hmm. and especially a role that size, which was epic every night. It was like running a marathon every night. Yeah, that was a, that I was a bit know. of a gem that uh, we might not see again. You know, I I agree. Or you know, you may see it in regional theater somewhere or off Broadway someday, but uh, I doubt it'll ever make it back to Broadway. And it's, it was really. A very special show and uh, very heartfelt. Uh, it's about Edward Kleban, the guy who wrote the lyrics for A Chorus Line right. and all the songs that he wrote individually um, that really never saw the light of day, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, it sounds so interesting. It is. It is. It's a wonderful show. It really is. Danny, as, as we read in the intro, you've done so much in your career. And you, you mentioned, you know, 22 years ago, you had this foot injury, but you were working even before then. We've got to dive into it. I do want to start at the beginning and ask you about the moment that really inspired you to get involved in the performing arts. We borrow the term Ring of Keys from Musical Fun Home and kind of put a little drama twist on it as maybe a moment of recognition you had when you were watching something or participating in something that made you figure out that love. Do you feel like you had a Ring of Keys moment? Well, the first Broadway show I ever saw was A Chorus Line. And I was about mm, 13, I would say, and in junior high school. And I had an English teacher who would take some kids to some of the students to Broadway shows. Uh, His his husband was a teacher and the teacher would get sometimes would get discount or, or discounted or free tickets. And so he would bring me and a few other students along. And I couldn't believe what I saw when I saw a chorus line. They were just saying things that I never knew that adults said out loud because <laughs> my parents were pretty straight laced. Okay. They didn't necessarily curse uh, or drink or do anything like that. They were really straight laced. And my dad does, uh, teaches ancient or did teach ancient Greek philosophy. And my mom is a painter. Wow. So all of a sudden chorus line, you hear these people going, fuck, I didn't get it, you know, and all these things. And tits and ass. And saying these things, you know, like, oh, my God, I just got an erection and looking at that thing in gym class. And I'm going, what the hell is happening? I couldn't believe people actually said these things out loud. And they were funny and sexy and, and brilliant and talented. And I thought, oh, my God, there's a whole world here that I've that I never knew existed. And it was so cool. Um, I actually uh, grew up listening to uh, cast recordings. My parents had a few of uh, like Oklahoma and uh, Finian's Rainbow and shows nice. like that. Yeah. And I, you know, they, I, I just loved show music, but I also loved rock and roll just as much, you know, listening to the Beatles and the Eagles and James Taylor, and, uh, people like that. So, you know, it was a mixed bag, but when that I saw chorus line, I sort of had a, Oh my God moment where I thought, this is something I really would love to do. And that feeling of, of walking in a stage door still to this day never gets old, never gets old. I went to see my buddy Robin Herter uh, in A Beautiful Noise last mm-hmm. night. And, you know, I've been away from it, whatever, four months since um, 
uh, pictures from home closed. And I, that feeling of walking in a stage door last night, even then, it just does not get old. It felt great, really oh. did. If you feel, you know, special, you you know, you ring the bell and they, I go, you go, hey, it's Danny Burstein, how are you? And they, they go, oh, please come on in. And you and you wind up knowing half the people there that because you've worked with them because the community is so small, and it's uh, it's a great feeling. I, I really feel like it's the whole community is a, a family on some level. It really—it's like in Cheers, right? When that you walk in and everybody knows your name. And- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm glad you got to see Robin before she finishes up in a beautiful. Yes, place. exactly. I knew she was leaving on the 17th, so I wanted to catch her. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been saying for a long time that I wanted to catch her, and I'm sorry I missed my buddy Will Swenson in the show, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad I got to see it anyway. Oh yeah, she's Robinson. Our show two different times. And the first time was during Moulin Rouge. And she, of course, spoke very highly of, of working alongside you. So you you make these amazing friends, Danny, everywhere you go. You have like the best reputation, I swear. Well, I'm really an asshole. That's <laughs> it's called acting, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, you've had so many iconic roles throughout your career, but I do want to jump into Moulin Rouge. It's the one that you clinched a Tony Award for. I'm sure it brought an entirely new fan base into your life. I mean, the Moulin, what are Moulin Rouge fans called? Do they have like a fan base name? I think they're called Bohemians. Bohemians. Yeah. There, there is a certain groups called the, the fan fan fans. Like because you, can, you oh, know. I like that. Um, yeah, yeah, they're 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 wonderful and loyal and people. I I don't know how they afford it, frankly. <laughs> Sitting in those little can can seats in the front, twenty five times, fifty times. I don't know how they do it, uh, but God bless them. You know they're keeping the show open mm-hmm. and and they're enjoying it. <laughs> and you know when I was there, I certainly enjoyed seeing them. They were great, great audience members, and uh, they just loved the thrill of it and loved seeing new people go on and slight changes oh, yes. and all the improv that went on every single night. So it was great. I, oh, I had fun. a blast in that show. I really did. I remember being kind of surprised when I saw that you were attached to it. It was because it's sort of something different for you. Yeah. I, I I can't say I've seen you in a jukebox type musical yeah. before. I mean, I love that show so much, but it really has some deep emotional heart to it. Yeah, well, I was, I don't remember what the hell I was doing, but uh, Alex Timbers <laughs> called, I'd done something with him before. He called and he said, hey, why don't you meet me at the diner on 72nd and Broadway? And let's, let's talk. I thought, okay, yeah, sure. And he put the script in front of me and said, read the part of Harold Ziedler and let's meet back here in a week. And I read it and I thought, okay, well, this is something that I've never done before. And that's what I try to do every single time. I love being, to me, the fun of being a character actor is not being the same damn person every single time. Some people are great at that and they make their entire careers at it and they're brilliant at doing that. To me, the fun is trying to be different. Like after Drowsy Chaperone, all I got, I got all these offers for Latin lovery kind of guys. <laughs> after uh, South Pacific, I got all these offers for New Yorky wheeler dealer kind of guys. And Fiddler on the Roof, every Jew in the world was offered to me. And, um, and Harold Ziedler was unlike anything I'd ever done before. And so I went back a week later and talked to Alex and said, yeah, I'd love to do it. Um, I had some ideas and he said, great, you know, we'll see if we can incorporate them. And, 
we just kept playing and and talking to John Logan, of course, the the writer, and working with him, and and that, it, the cast was incredibly talented, and I, I just I just kind of trying to be different. And I thought he was, you know, sexy and parental, and yet, you know, this this wacky, you know, crazy persona on stage, and yet the backstage had to be the impresario. I loved it. And it was unlike anything I'd ever done. So I I just keep trying to challenge myself and get a little scared, you know, every time I go out yeah. there to try something different, to to really stretch myself every time. And at a certain sure. point, you know, there's there's only, you know, one reason to do it is because it makes you happy. And if it doesn't make you happy, you know, get the hell out of there, really. Because there are a lot of people who just come in and, you know, my God, oh God, here we go again. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to get to the theater every night. I, you know, I walk in the door and I high five the stagehands and the doorman. I, I get there a, a two hours, an hour and a half before every show. I just love being there. It makes me feel alive. And I try to make it a different experience every single night. Wow. I, I definitely think that I, having seen you many times and having been lucky enough to see you in Moulin Rouge a few times, Connor and I found the way to get the the really, they're not super cheap, but mm-hmm. there's these seats in the orchestra that are right in front of stage left where they're limited leg rooms. So they're a little bit more discounted. Mm-hmm. And so we got to see the show from up close a few times and you were always, I'm going to use this word playing in, yep. in a really fun way. And the way that you interact with the audience and your your castmates, it was always a treat and it was always different. And I could tell that you weren't just on autopilot. No, I never, I, you know, years ago, I worked with uh, the great character actor, Tony Randall. And he, of course, was a, a famously a student of Sandy Meisner. And he said, Sandy made me an actor, you know. And he said, you know what the most important part of acting is? It's listening. And I thought, oh, oh, wow. Well, gee, I really, I've just been sort of memorizing my lines and then saying my <laughs> lines and not really being in the moment. And and it changed my whole perspective. And uh, he helped to make me a better actor. I think, I honestly think that uh, when you're when you're really listening, when you're really in the moment, that's what makes it really a, a craft and an art form. Uh, because mm-hmm. it's you're not just a robot. You know, saying my line, uh, then I walk over here, you know, which you see a lot of people do. Instead, it becomes a living, breathing, real thing. Because as, as you learn in a long run, anything and everything can happen. And it usually does. So you have to be ready for it. The only way to do it is to be so present and listen and play. It's called a play. Play, you know. So. Yeah. Now, and for this play, Moulin Rouge in particular, yeah. you took home a Tony Award after after many nominations. Yeah. Now, first of all, congratulations. Thanks. It was absolutely in the bag for you. What was that experience like to to step up on that stage at the Winter Garden and accept that award? Well, it was it was uh, uh, nice. You know, it's, it, there's nothing bad about any of it. Nomination is great. Honestly, I from the first nomination to my last, I've I've had you know, seven now, and I, I, there's nothing bad about winning, losing. It really doesn't, you know, I know it sounds crazy, but it really doesn't matter. It just, it's just great to be invited to the party, you know, uh-huh. have the recognition of your, of your uh, peers. It's a lovely pat on the back and you always feel, I always 
I always feel incredibly honored and proud to be there because there's such a long tradition. But the winning was nice, you know, in, in one sense, uh, because it was nice to have my son there. But it was also bittersweet because my wife was not there. But, you know, it was, uh, it was all lovely and special. And, you know, I don't know how they ever choose. It's <laughs> no apples and oranges, which is the best. There is no real best. It's an act, the theater is not a competition, you know, it, but mm -hmm. it's nice to be recognized. Yeah. And... Um, so that's that's the way I move forward with it. It's a nice pat on the back, and I'm honored to have uh, received one finally. So people could finally. saying things like this: "When are you going to win that Tony Award? Come on! <laughs> Why don't they just give it to you already?" And I'm like, uh huh, yeah, okay. Like, like uh -huh. anything to do with it? I, yeah. I just, I don't. I just go and do my thing. And if, yeah. if they recognize you one year, uh, they, that's great. And if they don't, that's also great. I'm just on to the next thing. And it hasn't, you know, affected anything that I do one way or the other. I just continue to do my work. Yeah. 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 In our short time, even talking to you now, I can tell that it is about the work for you. It's not about the recognition or anything. But I am curious. Uh -oh. Was there ever a time in any of those nominations where you thought, I think it's going to happen tonight? Well, you know what? Every time you think, well, there's a possibility. You never know. <laughs> sure. You know, so I, I don't know. I you think you think, I, what would I say? I, I don't know. But I've never had anything written down or anything like that. Okay. So I've never walked out of there going, you know, oh, my. Oh, oh, you know, I remember Brandon Victor Dixon and I were nominated for something one year. And he was sitting right behind me. It's really this great club that you're all of a sudden invited to be a part of. And and they announced our category and then somebody else, uh, you know, won the award that night. And I reached back my hand and held his hand for a second. You know, just for like, rah, gosh, this we just we went through for the last month, you know, and only somebody in that moment understands all the kind of pressures of people going it's yours. Oh, this is your year. This is, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's just, Hey, I just show up and do my work. So and he's, he's somebody who's just who I respect very much. Uh, who's got such a great work ethic and he's such a good actor and artist. Uh, I, I always think he's brilliant. Everything he does. Oh yeah. So we just had a moment to just go, yeah, man, I get it. I, that <laughs> it was just, we just had, I just had to connect with somebody else. And he, yeah. you could, you know, I look back and he had the same kind of face that I had, like, in a way, I'm glad that's over. Yeah, but it was kind of wonderful, too. It was, it was, a, it was a great ride while it lasted. Of course. I mean, and if you win, then you have to go and do the other press line and there's even more oh, yeah. conversations and things, you know, it's a whole Absolutely. other thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of the Tony Awards, uh -huh. I remember watching The Year South Pacific was up and <laughs> that performance that year was so formative to us, it was, you know, the time in our, you know, younger lives where we were really getting into the arts, we were finally in the school musicals, and it was so cool to be exposed to Rodgers, Rodgers and Hammerstein and to see South Pacific and then that great PBS live recording of it, which was so fantastic. I can remember listening to you on the cast album of South Pacific. I want to talk about it for a second. When sure. I mention South Pacific to you, what's the first thing that comes to mind? That orchestra. Did you see the show or did you just see it on, on the video of it? 
we got to see the national tour come uh, through Cleveland. At, at Lincoln Center, mm -hmm. uh, because that stayed at the stage at the Beaumont is so unusual. The entire, you know, there's it's three-quarter thrust. And at the overture, you know, Ted Sperling stood there and everybody sort of thinks, and it's just beautiful. You know, of course, the music starts. Ba -da -da, and it, you know, has this great feel and the lighting swells and the set is gorgeous. And all of a sudden, the entire set deck pulled back in the middle of the overture, pulled back and went inside itself to reveal the entire orchestra in black tie, you know, wow. in tuxes and, and black dresses. And then they're playing this gorgeous, gorgeous score. And there were like 25 musicians there in the pit wow. playing every night. And it was glorious. And, it you know, it was like paying homage to this great, great show. It let the audience know that you're going to see something extremely special. And as far as that performance on the Tonys goes, when I think of that, I think of uh, um, an actor named, I could cry right now, an actor named Christian Carter, who said that as we were about to perform on the Tonys, curtain was about to go up, he started to cry because his grandmother, this was his grandmother's wish for him to one day perform Aww. on the Tony Awards. And I was so choked up right before we started. And he was crying, there was tears running down his face. I, and I looked over and why, why is this guy crying? We're about to go and perform on the Tonys. And then he told me, this is what my grandmother always wanted. Uh, you know, this is what she wished for me. I thought, oh my God, holy cow. It's, you know, it was really, really special. And so doing that, I, I love that performance, especially because of that moment. You know, it was really, really, yeah, it was very special to me and uh, special to all the guys. That's really special. Wow. Because it is a dream, you know, yeah. and, and people have dreams for you. And when you're in this industry, it's you might not always get support or sometimes you do. Yeah. And when you make it to these pinnacle moments, it's nice to take a moment and really take it all in. Yeah. I've had a very blessed life in many ways. And I, you know, I don't uh, take anything like that for granted. Mm, totally. Now I have to tell you, my favorite thing I've ever seen you do on stage was Tavia and Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, and I always describe it was the most perfect night. It was a December night in 2016. I think you guys were in their final couple of weeks and the snow was gently falling outside when I, when I remember leaving and the framing device, everything about it. I remember thinking, Fiddler could have been written right now. Like this is just the most perfect. And now even knowing what's going on in the world today right. in 2023, I'm like that production, you know, it, it makes yeah. you really think congrats on that role. And that, and that time was Tevya a dream role of yours in any way. I mean, I remember everyone saying, Oh, he's young to be playing Tevya. <laughs> yeah. It was not a dream role of mine. I, I had done it twice before I did it in community theater when I was a kid. And then I did it with Theodore Bikel in Summerstock when I was younger as well. But I always thought Tevye was this, you know, I thought he was, he looked like, you know, Santa Claus, but in, you know, <laughs> with a yarmulke, you know, yeah, uh -huh. um, I, he was always played by somebody much older, but here's, are you ready for this? A little bit of trivia. I was the oldest person to open Fiddler on the Roof playing Tevye on Broadway. Wow. I don't believe mm. that. That's wild. Yeah. Zero Mostel mm. was like 49. Let's see. Fred Molina was, I think, 50. Uh, I, was, mm -hmm. I was 51, I believe, at the time. Yeah. Wow. So it was, the Mandela effect in my head of Tevin being this older guy. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> because that's, we grow up thinking, oh, he's this old guy, but 
but you know he can't be that old uh, because he's got five daughters you know and the the Schmeckel's got to work and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, and he's kinda, you know, his wife has to be a certain age too to be have five daughters, and mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. Anyways, I was actually older than all those other guys when we when I, the show opened, and I had an amazing time working on it. I known Sheldon much better than I knew Jerry. I met Jerry uh, years before when I was doing the uh, Rothschilds off-Broadway in 1990, 91, something like that, at Circle in the Square. And uh, having done the show twice before, I sort of had it in my bones and, and really loved it. But I never, never, never expected to be offered the role. And uh, I was doing Tally's Folly off-Broadway with Sarah Paulson about 10 years ago. And Bart Bartlett Shear came to see the show and he said, hey, let's go out. Let's have a beer next door. And we went and, and he told me that he'd been offered the uh, job to direct Fiddler in a year and a half, two years, something like that. And he said, and I, I don't know whether he didn't know the name or whatever. He said, I'd like you to be the guy. <laughs> said, well, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if it happens, that's great. He said, but listen. I don't know if the producers might want to go with a big star or something, but as far as I'm concerned, you're it. But you can't tell anybody until we, you know, start negotiating. And, you know, that probably won't be for a year or so. I went, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have a year to sit on that news. So I went home, I told my wife and I told Sarah because, uh, you know, we were working together and so close and, and she's yeah. still my dear, dear friend, like my sister. So, Aww. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. That's really special. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm going next week to see her show. Oh, yeah. Appropriate. Oh. Yeah. So, so curious I, about it. Me too. Me too. So I, I have a few friends in the show. So I'm uh, eager to see them. And uh, she, yeah, she just asked me to... Uh, I don't know, host something that I did two weeks ago for second stage uh, fundraiser, their gala. So uh, wonderful. uh, I adore. Yeah. What a great actor. Yeah. She's an amazing actress. Incredible. I such respect for her. She's one of those people that actually makes you a better actor working with her because she's so specific and real and, you know, just incapable of having a dishonest moment. That's what you look Mm. for, you know, can you think of any other people you've played opposite throughout your career that have made you better? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been very lucky. I mean, I've worked with fucking everybody almost. You know? And yeah. I, I just, <laughs> Nathan Lane makes you better. Uh, Sigourney Weaver makes you better. John Lithgow makes you better. Bernadette Peters makes you better. Alan Cumming makes you better. These people elevate the, the game. They're so yeah. good. They're so good. I loved working, you know, and in, uh, in Moulin Rouge, my, you know, my buddy Tam Mutu is, uh, is one of those actors who makes, he's just so sinister. He makes you better, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, off stage, a pussycat. Um, <laughs> it, it is people that you work with that just are so good. You can't help but rise to their level. Anyway, Fiddler was fun. <laughs> <laughs> circling back, circling back. It really was. I had I had a blast. And, you know, you're on stage for almost the entire three hours of the show, except for, like, I think stage management told me I was off stage for about 13 minutes. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, and you're, you know, you're exhausted. You're wrung out after the show. Uh, we ran 
um, I forget what it was, about 15 months. And the last mm -hmm. oh, two weeks or, show, or so, I, I was like, I couldn't do two shows in a day. I, I didn't wow, do the matinees, yeah. just couldn't do it. My Physically, my mm -hmm. brain was so tired and my body was so tired. And in that 15 months, I took one week off. Otherwise, I didn't miss a show for the most part. I hear, you know, here and there, all of a sudden you go, I wake up and you're talking like this. You have no choice. <laughs> and my buddy, Adam Gruper, who is such an amazing human being and who's so great. And I can get it for you wholesale right now. Uh, he was he was the standby and, and uh, he was amazing. And he went into the show and was and it was seamless because he's so, so damn good. Wow. I remember hearing that you had a pretty amazing track record in that show. Yeah, I mean, you, I were almost guaranteed to always see I you. I try to every show I do. I try to not to miss. But, you know, sometimes stuff happens and sometimes you're whatever your brother's getting married. and You go, you know, and you know that two months ahead of time invariably there are people there that night that you run into like at a party two months later and, the, and they say this to you. I saw the show. I saw it two months ago. You weren't there. Wow. <laughs> you go, well, you know, I, I'm not a robot. You know, I, I do my right. best. I'm there 99% of the time. Sometimes shit happens. Have you gone to work mm -hmm. every single day of your life? You know, I, the, the very idea that people bring that up to you, like, you know, that you're purposely trying to, uh, you know, scoot out. It's just the opposite. I hate missing. Right. I hate it. I, it. That's why I didn't take a vacation from Fiddler, you know, except for one week yeah. in a year and a half, practically, you know, because we had the uh, rehearsal period before that. So anyway. Well, it's also you guys are you guys work through all the holidays and it's not you don't get even, you know, two days in a row off. Exactly. Where everybody's presence, you know, for mm -hmm. the holidays. So you work. Yes, exactly. You work even harder. <laughs> mm -hmm. You mentioned Alan Cumming. I'm curious. That, that was in the Cabaret Revival, right? One Correct. Of the, one of the many Cabaret Revivals. And then we have another one coming, too. <laughs> what uh, what do you remember about that specific production of Cabaret? I loved uh, working on that show gosh what what do i remember about it I, I remember the the how much i loved working with the uh with alan of course i i i'd known him a little bit uh he'd done concerts with my wife and so we knew each other through the business and we'd see each other at parties and things like that and then i i just marveled at his performance i marveled at the talent in that show because the kids in the ensemble, the kids, that was kids. I sound like, get off my lawn. But the kids <laughs> were wonderful. And, and not only did they dance and sing, they also played the instruments in, the, in that show. Right. Uh, you know, incredible. And then the, I marveled at the three Sally Bowles uh, that right. we had. Uh, Michelle Williams, Emma Stone, and Sienna Miller. And mm -hmm. each one different and each one fan-fucking-tastic in their own way. I just was kind of blown away. I thought, oh, Michelle, when she came in, she, oh, well, that's, you know, she's so moment-to-moment she's -moment and plays and she's different every night. And, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. And then Emma Stone came in and it was like, wow, she's great, too. And she's in her own way. She's like a pistol. And... She's, you know, and it's just, you know, they're both great, great people. And then Sienna Miller came in and she's 
authentic, you know, Cockney. And she has that shit in her bones and she knows something else about it. And I I just, each one of them was different and beautiful and sexy and really, really good in the role. And so that was kind of uh, very special to, uh, you know, to, to see and, and to be on the stage with. Sure. Did you do that whole run? I did. It only ran a year. Okay. I mean, only a year. Okay. Only, but, uh, but a year was, uh, <laughs> it was a year of my life and I had a, a blast and I still have so many dear friends from that show that I cherish aww, on stage. You were the, the pineapple. The... Herr Schultz. Herr Schultz. Herr Schultz, of course, yeah. of course. Uh, pineapple. <laughs> and of course, working again with Candor and Ebb, you know, I, uh, Fred had passed away by then, but I had done workshops, yeah. I think like four years of workshops of curtains. Oh. And that was a very special time for me as well, working with both uh, John and Fred. And I love them both. And I, you know, I just saw John recently at Sheldon Harnick's memorial that I sang in and, and uh, introduced. Uh, I love that he's like 96, I want to say now. Right, and yeah. he is just the, I mean, of all of the classic guys, and, you know, I've worked with almost all of them, thank <laughs> God, who were alive. Anyway, during my lifetime, he is by far the nicest. And they're all they're all great, but he is by far the nicest guy. Uh, just kind, creative. You want to be in the room with him every second. And everybody will tell you that is the case. He's uh-huh. a brilliant genius. And, uh, you know, I feel so honored to know him to yeah. this day. I really feel that way. And always will. Yeah. Now... Curtains was that the David Hyde Pierce role yeah. you were in? And yeah, then, no, okay. no, I wasn't in that role. No, I was okay. in a different role. Yeah, in fact, the the, the main role that I had was cut when oh. they because because uh, Peter Stone, who wrote Seventeen Seventy Six and other shows, he uh, was writing the book at the time, and then Peter passed away, and then Fred passed away, oh. and then Rupert Holmes came in and completely oh. rewrote the book you know he t- took a couple of things from fred's uh, from peter stone's book but a lot of things were lost unfortunately and some great songs there must be so yeah. many trunk songs that are and cut songs that candor and ebb have that you know maybe we'll hear someday but uh, there were some wonderful songs in that show that never got to the final production. Mm. So anyway, after that was, I was doing a uh, drowsy chaperone and right. uh, I got a call about curtains and my role had been you know, completely excised, but they asked if I wanted to do something else in the show. And I said, thanks, I'm going to stick with drowsy chaperone and see it to the, till the end. And that was playing another six months. So I, I felt okay about that. Mm-hmm. You listened to your heart in, the, in that situation. Yeah. And- Exactly. I was offered another show too while I was there. I'm trying to remember what the hell it was. Oh, uh, Cyrano with uh, oh. with uh, Kevin Klein was going to be playing yes. across the street at the uh, Richard Rogers, and I just I it was a you know okay role, but uh, I was just having too much of a good time. And Bob Saget was about to come into the show. And, I was going to say you yeah, have he, he did the end of it, right? Yeah, and Bob and I wound up becoming like brothers. Uh-huh. So I was very, very, I felt very, very lucky that I actually stayed in the show and saw it till the end. And that played a mm. half on Broadway. Wow. 
I love that show so much. And and yeah. I'm glad we have that cast album, which I think really captures the essence of oh, the show. Yeah. So you beautiful. said you had Beth on the show. Yes. Just recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's having she's also like my sister. Oh yeah, she she adores you. We did a tour of Greece, the show Greece, together in nineteen eighty eight. Uh-huh. When when were you guys born? <laughs> 93. You know, Beth <laughs> mentioned this tour. It, it had Broadway dreams and yeah, then fell apart in a way, right? Yeah. Were you, uh, I could see, were you Roger? Were you? No, uh, Sonny. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. She said that the star was like a, was he a, a general hospital? Yes. Jack actor? Wagner. From That's right. General. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crazy and what year did you make your broadway debut and if that was 88 oh gosh um 90 uh we started rehearsal i think in 92 and the show opened like in january of 93 i think that's right what, what show uh, was that it was a fado farce called a little hotel on the side that starred tony randall and lynn redgrave and it was directed by tom moore who directed the original production of greece and wow. also he directed uh, Night Mother on Broadway and then went on to L.A. and, and directed lots of TV, lots of episodes of Frasier and, and different shows. And uh, he's a great, great guy and still a dear friend. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's, you really you really find your people, Danny, and you hold on to them. I really admire that. It's really special. It just sort of happens. The people that you love and respect and connect with, uh, I, you hold on to them and because you, you value those people. And also... More than anything, you learn from those people. You learn what it's like to be a good person. That you hold on to that. Oh, that's so sweet. Absolutely. Now we've talked about your late wife a few times, even before we started mm-hmm. recording. And I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about her a little bit. I mean, a beautiful yeah. soul, beloved by the Broadway community. And I'm so sorry for your loss. I can't even imagine everything that she went through, that you went through together, and. I, I kind of want to take a little bit back in time, though. When did mm-hmm. you first meet her? We met doing a show called Time and Again at the Old Globe. But I'll go back even further because you know, I'm starting to think about writing a book and uh, about just a memoir kind of thing, just something to leave uh, for my kids. But I, I was doing, I can't remember what the hell show I was doing, <laughs> but I passed by the Majestic Theater where um, Phantom of the Opera was, and sh- there was a big poster picture outside the theater with her sitting there. And she was sitting on a bench and sort of like this with her head slightly uh, tilted. And I looked at it and I looked at her name underneath uh, Rebecca Luker. And I looked at her and I thought, well, that's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And I had, to, and this is going to sound like the craziest, cheesiest like something out of a bad movie, but this is absolutely true. And I've had this a couple of times in my life where I heard a voice in my head that went, and it said to me that day, it's embarrassing to say it. I heard a voice say, she needed me. (laughs) As crazy as it is, that's what I, that's what I, uh, that's what I heard. And I just sort of went, well, that was weird. And, and walked (laughs) away and totally forgot about it and, and forgot about her name, forgot everything. And then when she came in the door in San Diego, um, that first rehearsal, I went, holy shit, that's the girl. That's her. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, but I was married at the time and she was in a relationship at the time. And, but there were five of us in that show 
that became great, great friends. Myself, Becca, George Dvorsky, Howard McGillan, and Jessica Molaski. And we were wow. thick as thieves. And after that show, I think all of our relationships fell apart for a little while. And I think four of them just went completely. And then I, anyway, I won't get into specifics, but... Uh, that's I, for the book. That's for the book. That's for the book. And then <laughs> a year and a half later, Becca and I were cast opposite each other in a workshop of a show called Harmony that Barry Manilow and Bruce Sussman wrote. And we were playing opposite each other. And I said, how are you doing? She said, well, I broke up with my boyfriend. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. And, and she said, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm separated from my wife. <laughs> um, and, this, and, you know, and we talked and we got along. And about a week later, I said, hey, you want to go see a show? And we were old pals already, you know, so we, you know, adored one another already. So we went, yeah, we went out and then just sort of never looked back. Oh, wait. So going into that, when you're like, hey, want to go see a show? Did you in your head feel like it was a date vibe or no? no? Do you think she did? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was just so natural. Let's say, hey, you know, it's like, do you need coffee? Let's go. You know, it was, it was Mm -hmm. like that since we were pals already. You know, I mean, but it was, you know, there's definite love and attraction and, and, and caring right from the beginning. So it was, you know, it was easy. There was no yeah. dating as opposed to now, <laughs> uh, which is, I don't recommend it. Not dating for 40 years and then starting to date. Yeah. Don't do it. Uh-huh. Don't do it. Yet. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. So, well, it's almost, almost three years now since uh, Becca passed. So it will be, I don't know when this is going to air, but her, the anniversary of her passing is December 23rd. So, um, yeah. So who knows? Life is just a whole new weird game. Sure. You're in a whole new chapter and act of your life. And I I know that you've got more to give us. I I, I sense more theater Uh, in the future. I certainly hope so. I hope that would be my 20th uh, when it happens. So I'm trying to be very uh, smart about what that next thing is, but I'm looking forward to it. Any whispers in the in the wind or anything oh. that's circling the drain? Or? Oh, I, circling the drain. That's not a good image. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything cream rising oh. to the top? Is that what it'll be yes. better? Yeah. <laughs> Do you prefer to work on like a brand new musical or a play revival or what? What's kind of like tickling your fancy now in terms of the theater? As far as theater goes, uh, well, as far as anything goes, you just want a good story. You want good writing that really blows your skirt up you know that makes you <laughs> i like that visual <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> um, that makes you happy you know think i mean the, a great story great writing that makes you happy and i've been very very lucky like i it's not theater right now but i, I feel so honored uh, to be on this show julia yeah. that's on hbo max right now because I loved the first season because the writing was so damn good. And you have these great actors delivering these lines. But this wonderful playwright and and now uh, screenwriter, uh, uh, Daniel Goldfarb, and uh, his writing partner and showrunner, uh, Christopher Kaiser, they're such good writers. So it is such a pleasure to deliver lines that just come out of you organically. You can't help but say what the lines say. That's when you know the writing is so good. And so whatever the next thing is, be it in the theater or not, I hope it is in the theater. I would love to go, you know, 
do another show eventually. Uh, you know, until then, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just doing a whole million other things always. I'm always doing something. You know, I'm, I've been on the last two years. I've been uh, recording, believe it or not, Dora the Explorer, um, and fun. I go in once once a week to do that. Playing who? The grumpy old troll, of course. Oh. <laughs> so, yes, and a few other roles here and there. And I love, love, love doing it. And it's it's easy and it, and creative and fun. And the people at Nickelodeon are fantastic. And I just get fulfilled doing that. But I can't wait to uh, start the next project, whatever it is. And I hope it is in the theater and I hope it has great writing. Uh, yeah. It'll be amazing. And Con and I will be there to cheer you on. This has been well, such a delight. And um, before we wrap up, would you like to end yeah. on a dose of drama? It's a little tease. Maybe if you want to share something on your mind or rant about something, rave about something. And Connor is going to go first. Okay. So while I've been in foot recovery mode, as I mentioned, I've been binge watching things. And I decided to dive into Beckham on Netflix, the David Beckham mm -hmm. four-part miniseries. It is very soccer forward, <laughs> you know, or football forward, as I would say. I was thinking it would be a little bit more about his personal life. Of course, they do dive into a lot of the Victoria Beckham love story, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, Danny, interesting. Mm -hmm. They had a moment where when he first saw her, he was like, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And it kind of reminded me of what you were saying about, about Rebecca. But Sweet. Um, it's <laughs> this show is so good and he was always hot obviously but he still is and he's had the right amount of work done at the right times to maintain you know his image and victoria beckham is full camp she's hilarious and i just love the show and i've learned a lot about football and <laughs> i can't re recommend it enough it's honestly so good and it's just four episodes so beckham on oh, netflix very easy. very good yeah dylan what do you uh What's your drama? It's Matt Rogers. He's a comedian, singer, actor, and he has this hilarious Christmas album called Have You Heard of Christmas? And it is so funny. And I love holiday music and it's it's playful and it kind of makes fun of the idea of when an artist decides to record a holiday album, if it's a, a peak in their career or a low point. And it's this funny in between. And I absolutely love it for those getting in the holiday spirit with a little, little queer twist. Danny, do you have a dose of drama to finish things up today? Gotcha. Wow. I, I would just take this moment to encourage people. Now we're about, you know, we're just into Hanukkah and about to start Christmas when we're recording this anyway, mm -hmm. that I would encourage people to just be more kind and, and more giving this year. And instead of maybe giving big presents, maybe give a smaller present and instead donate the other money that you would have used to some important cause that really uh, speaks to your heart. Um, there are many that speak to my heart uh, and I do what I can for them. And I just think it's important to give back. And, you know, also one year just recently, I, I only did that. Uh, and I've been doing this on opening nights too, writing in a card to whoever it was in the cast with me or, or backstage as well, that I had made a donation. And many people had said to me that that meant to them more to them than anything else. And so I'm gonna be doing some of that uh, this year as well as little things for people, but I'm definitely going to uh, give back because I think more people than ever need help. And even if that help is just being kind and, uh, and being kind to your neighbor or your friend or checking in with somebody, I think the focus in the world could use a little uh, more of that because I think it would really help a lot of people. 
You're a true mensch. That is incredible. And Beautiful. I, I, I think that is something that we all can take from. And you're giving me ideas now because I've been struggling to think about gifts. And so I oh, honestly good, think good. that's a really powerful idea. So thank you. Yeah. Any suggestions of organizations? Do you think just people who, uh, whatever means well, a lot to them? Many, there are many ALS organizations that, I, of course, I care about mm-hmm. that uh, people ask me about. I am ALS and Project ALS and Target ALS. And, and there are chapters in every state. Um, and, of course, Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. I still yeah. you know, do a lot of work for them. I just did the Red Bucket Follies for them. Uh, Amazing. This past week. Yeah, it's important to me. Uh, it's important to me. I lost so many dear friends. This is the way I grew up in the business. I started when I was 19 professionally and all my friends that I was working with doing these great shows and loving, they all just all of a sudden, most of them were dead, mm-hmm. you know, in a year or two. And that's how I grew up in the business. And it was fucked up. And so I knew I had to do something about it. And so to this day, you know, I honor their memory by showing up whenever Tom Viola calls. Yeah. I'm there for him because I want to be there because I need to be there. And because it's important for humanity, mm-hmm. for the world to be there and to show up. Oh, yeah. I'm, Beautiful. If, if, even the way you're talking about that, it I mentioned earlier that it's I can tell that you hold on to people. I, I see it all connecting that you really do cherish your relationships and because you've seen what the opposite can be and you honor those. Absolutely. And, that's really beautiful. I think we can all take from that. So thank you, Danny. This oh, has been such an incredible you. conversation. I know you've done a million of these, but this one was special for Connor and I. So thank you very much. It was special for me too, Dylan. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. And Connor. <laughs> me too, right? Yeah. Him? No, 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 not him. <laughs> yeah. not him. Um, oh, you're the one who said it, Dylan. Oh, so yes, I- that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> People can follow you on Instagram, right? You're at Danny Burr. Uh, sure. Sure, exactly if they right. want to, yeah. <laughs> B-U-R, yeah, if they right. want to, yeah. Or if not, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, they can see on Julia right now, and they'll see on a stage hopefully in the next year. Yeah, in February, I have another show on uh, HBO called Tokyo Vice. Cool. I play An- Ansel Elgort's father on that show. Ah, so, okay. I, I, I see the family resemblance. I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Danny. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. I know it's it's a tough time for you with the anniversary and everything coming up. And Yeah, got to keep going. Yeah. Well, thank you. And of course, while everyone is following Danny, they should follow us. We're at the Drama Podcast. Connor's at Connor McDowell. I'm at Dylan McDowell. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama! Drama.